amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, guys, and welcome to a special prediction episode of FanCast, where our host will break down a competitive NL East, and we'll update you on Bryce Harper and the rest of the Philadelphia Phillies. All this and more on a special 90-minute episode of FanCast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into FanCast. Like we said, we have a special episode for you today, 90-minute segment. We will be breaking down all five teams in the NL East. We will be joined by a special guest, host of the other podcast on the Baseball Podcast Network, of the Mets and Marlins podcast to give us their thoughts on how their teams will unfold while we will also break down the Nats and Braves. Happy Manny Machado Day. Isaac, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good, Coy. I'm pretty surprised at the news, obviously. Uh, Manny Machado, I don't think any of us were expecting him to get $300 million, million. But, I mean, now we have to adjust. It definitely seems like his market was down a little bit as compared to what he was for. And it definitely seems like this will set a precedent moving forward that as long as you wait out, you will get whatever the money you were going for. Because it was obvious from the beginning, 10 years, $300 million was what he wanted. He waited it out till mid-February, and he got it. He got in a very nice uh, climate to play in, a stadium similar to the one in Baltimore when he succeeded in. And I think for both sides, it was a great deal for both the Padres and Manny. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out moving forward. I agree. Uh, Padres seem to want to be competitive uh, for the next couple of years here, especially with their highly touted uh, minor league system, farm system. So it was a good move to push their winning forward a little bit. Well, feel free to call in at 845-277-9345 here to join in on FanCast as we're going to start off today with talking about our specialty, the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies are coming off an 80-82 and 82 year. They were leading the division for a good span of the middle of the season, and they just seemed to fall off a cliff. Matt Klintak and the crew has addressed it this offseason. Isaac, how do you think the Phillies have done this offseason as we still await the signing of Bryce Harper? They've done an excellent job, Coy, and you've got to give props to Matt Klintak and his whole crew, Andy McPhail, they've upgraded a number of positions across the board, including shortstop, relief pitching, the back end of the bullpen. Um, they acquired the best catcher in baseball, and they're still adding. They're still adding. As you said, there's obviously still rumors about Harper and Keuchel and Kimbrell and Gonzalez and all these players the Phillies have interest in that – 
when you look at it, even if they sign no more free agents, what a wonderful job Matt Klintak did. He acquired a left-handed relief pitcher in Jose Alvarez, pitched below three ERA last year, very impressive guy, acquired Gene Segura, contact machine, at the top, the, will insert the top of the order that can give you pretty solid defense. Um, JT Real Muto, obviously, middle of the order guy, top tier athlete, top tier catcher defensively and offensively. Any way you spin it, even without any more additions at this point, it, it'll be very, very good. Very good offseason for the Phillies. So, Coy, as we talked about the. Uh, the lineup. Let's move to the rotation. How do you feel about the rotation going into the season? Well, it looks like now it'll look like our ace Aaron Nola will kickstart the rotation. He'll be our opening day starter, followed by Jake Arrieta, Nick Pavetta, and then whether you have Eflin or Velasquez, four and five, will really depend on Kapler's call. I think this is a young rotation that should stand as it is once March 28th approaches. I think this is a young crew with a lot of potential to develop even further. I think Pavetta is bound for a breakout year. I think Eflin will take another step forward. Arietta is on the back end of his career, but he is coming off an injury in 2018, so it'll be interesting to see how he plays at uh, closer to 100% health. Aaron Noll is our guy. He's an ace. Cy Young candidate, hopefully for the next couple of years to come. I think the real X factor is Vince Velasquez and how he performs in 2019. We saw for a little bit there, he went on a little bit of a stretch. I think it was 13 straight games where he gave up two runs or less. And so from those flashes, just like at the start of his career, where he can be a very good and quality pitcher, but he also has those games where he just gets knocked around and it's a it's hard to watch as a Phillies fan to see him give up 10, 8 runs and only 4 innings pitched. So I think as our rotation stands, we have a good enough crew to compete. It'll be interesting to see if we bring in Dallas Keuchel or trade for Madison Bumgarner at the trade deadline. Those are all good points you made, Coy. And now as, um, as we get started here with our, um, with our predictions, I believe, um, he, here's the predicted li- lineup I have for the Phillies this coming season. I have Cesar Hernandez. I have Cesar Hernandez leading off. I have Gene Segura batting second. I have Andrew McCutcheon batting third. Reese Hoskins batting fourth. Odubo Herrera batting Herrera fifth. Batting fifth. Michael, Fonko Michael Fonko batting Fonko fifth. Batting sixth. Um, um, oh, J.T. Muto in there. And Philly's lineup is definitely one that will be a force to be reckoned with in 2019. Like you said, they've made a bunch of improvements. Matt Klintek has put this as a win-now team. He upgraded the shortstop position from a struggling combo of J.P. Crawford and Scott Kingery to a very solid Gene Segura. Players hit over 300 for the past couple of seasons. He's a two-time All-Star. He batted 304 last season, which would would have led the Phillies last year. No one batted higher than 255. They upgraded catcher, brought in JT Romito in a trade package, which include our catcher from last year, Jorge Alfaro. Again, that was great as we switch from a 25th best catcher in baseball, to the number one guy, instant improvement. We brought in Andrew McCutcheon, 
put him in left field instead of a very defensively shaky Reese Hoskins. Another big improvement. And the main thing that I saw this offseason was the Phillies added a lot of major league at-bats into the lineup. Instead of those players who would go through stretches where they were a guaranteed out, we've brought in players that will grind out at-bats, earn their walks, get on base any way they can. Even when they're not hitting it as well as they'd like to be, they'll still work their way to have quality ABs. That's the main thing that the Phillies lacked in that stretch down at the end of the season where we really saw them fall off. Guys seemed to hit a wall. They're going through some cold streaks. They couldn't really pan it out. And it really just all fell apart to a way that the Phillies ended up going from a team that was 16 over, 16 games over 500, second in the National League, to finishing below 500 and third in the division. And now improvements to the lineup. It'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Reese Hoskins will be looking to take another step forward. As you said, we would be predicting our players, how we thought. I think he will take a step forward in the sense that he will bat closer to 260 as opposed to his 246 last year. I think he'll be right around that 35 home run span again, close to 100 RBIs. He will definitely benefit from adding a little more protection in the lineup. I think Odubel Herrera is another player that will have a bounce back 2019. He'll be closer to 280 Odubel that we've learned to love the past couple seasons was an MVP candidate to start the year. Cesar Hernandez will be back at full health. This just seems like a lineup that is all back to 100%, looking to be much better in 2019. I definitely think big things are ahead for the Phillies. So, Isaac, what do you feel? We got to the lineup. We've been through the rotation. How about the bullpen? What are your thoughts on that crew? I believe the Phillies had the best bullpen in the National League East, and here's why. People like to bring up Sir Anthony Dominguez and David Robertson now that we just acquired this offseason, whenever arguing that we have the best bullpen. But what about guys like Victor Arano and Edebrai Ramos that quietly had very, very solid seasons last year? Um, Victor Arano came in eighth inning, seventh inning, mostly last year, and did a fantastic job. Edebrai Ramos as well when he wasn't injured. Um, So when you put into account those guys, take into account those guys, plus the new additions of James Pazos, a lefty, Jose Alvarez, and Juan Nicasio, a right-handed addition, plus David Robertson. You're looking at a really good bullpen here, Coy. One that can come in and you won't have to worry as much. And that, that's still with, the, still with the possibility of Craig Kimbrell. Like you said, the bullpen is just another part of the Phillies – uh, crew that could get changed before the opening day comes around. Like you said, Craig Kimbrell is still a potential candidate to be the closer of this team. He is a free agent that could be brought in before opening day comes, and that would add a whole much more depth to the bullpen. I think we are, like you said, okay as we sit now. Kimbrell at the right price would bring us to a new level, having a bona fide closer, one of the best in the games, letting the rest of the quality relievers we have in there be more matchup-based, which will be a smaller usage, which will allow them to be more consistent, be more dominant. And I think that that could ultimately change the whole Philly season. I think this bullpen is the major X factor. Seeing guys like Hector Neris, how will he do? Trade for Jose Alvarez, how will he come in and fill the role as a dominant lefty? I think this bullpen is in good shape, and we are in a good position with our young 
always be able to eat up those innings where this bullpen could come in, swallow up a whole bunch of innings, and secure wins for the Phillies, something that we didn't see in 2018, which ultimately let the division slip away. I agree. You're, you're speaking nothing but truths here, Coy, and I started stating, if you recall in August, it's not that we didn't have leads late in games, it's that at first our bullpen just started to fade and give up these leads that we had, and that really lacked the, we lacked confidence offensively as a result, and that, that led, to, led to some problems. Now as we head to our bench, which I think is quite an interesting topic for the Phillies, there's players like Roman Quinn, Andrew Knapp possibly, uh, Nick Williams, maybe. Um, Coley, who do you see being our key bench guys this year? Well, the person I think that'll be our key bench guys is one of my favorite players in Roman Quinn. I think he is a different kind of threat to the Phillies lineup than anyone else we have on the team. He is a speedy hitter that slaps the ball around. He did pretty well in 2018, started off his campaign up in the majors, hit 350 for a while. We saw him get a little bit of power, not going to be a 20 home run guy, not probably not even a 10 or 15, but when he gets on base, he's a stolen base threat every time. He's a very good defender. The Phillies do prefer Odubel to him. We'll see how Roman develops. I think he is a weapon off the bench to use in base-stealing situations and high-leverage situations, and I think that he will be a major X factor in how the Phillies perform in 2019. My X factor for 2019 is Jake Arrieta. We signed him to a three-year, $75 million deal last year, and he will be impaired of the Phillies, to the Phillies' success as he aims to become our number two starter. If he can return to near the form he was just a few years ago, he can transform the Phillies' rotation into something truly special. Yes, I think it is a very tough assumption that he could ever return to that level of success, as dominant as he was. But I don't think the Phillies paid for that level. I think they paid for a guy that was going to help the young young rotation that we have. I think he will get those numbers down to – Right, a 350 ERA, a couple more wins, a couple more strikeouts. I agree with you. He will be a big X factor in how the Phillies perform this season. We're going to head into a network advertisement. When we get back, host of the Amazing Met podcast will join us to break down the New York Mets and how they will fare in 2019. Hello, everyone. My name is Eamon, and I'm one of the hosts at Pinstripe Talk. On Wednesday, February 20th at 6 o'clock, we will be analyzing the whole AL East from player stat predictions to team record predictions and giving our take on who can make something happen in this year's postseason. All this and more on this week's episode of Pinstripe Talk. Welcome back to FanCast. Now we're going to introduce two of the hosts from the Amazing Mets podcast where they break down one of the Phillies' heater rivals, the New York Mets. Jake, John, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks a bunch, Thanks a bunch guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you guys for joining us. The Phillies weren't the only team in the NL East this offseason making a whole bunch of moves. The Mets had a very active offseason, acquiring former Philly Wilson Ramos, in addition to Robinson Cano, Jed Lowry, and another top closer in baseball, Edwin Diaz. So, guys, how are you feeling coming off of a very aggressive and very good offseason for the Mets? I, I feel like this team, first off, what Brody Van Wagenen has done since coming in you know he's he's brought in depth he's 
not only constructing a winning roster, but he's also making sure that something that we've lacked in the last couple of seasons, um, that we have at every position competent players who, in case of injury or in case of underperformance, can slot right in and uh, be factors. In the past couple of seasons, 2017-2018, one of our biggest issues has been injuries um, to players such as like uh, Michael Conforto and, um, you know, our pitchers and us replacing them with incompetent players who, you know, would be basically minor league fillers. Now we have guys on all parts of our roster that can um, come in and play in competently. Like, um, you know, we acquired Keon Broxton, J.D. Davis. These are, you know, these are minor moves, but will look major when they come in and um, can play for injured players. Um, we have a lot of versatility on our roster. Um, guys like J.D. Uh, uh, Chet Lowry and um, other guys like Jeff McNeil can play many different positions. Um, you know, roster than we've seen the last couple of seasons for the Mets. So, obviously, you guys had a very successful offseason and bringing in new additions, but one problem still arises for the Mets, it seems like, with Severino and Aaron Nola being extended in the past few weeks. How do you feel about Jacob deGrom and the inability of the Mets front office to get an extension out with him so far? Yeah, so last week we, we actually sort of ranted on this going back and forth, uh, and, and we have a little bit of differing opinions, but uh, we, we both feel that either way, even if our opinions differ, we, we both feel that DeGrom should be locked up and he should have been locked up uh, before any of the moves that we, we just highlighted even happened. So uh, uh, I would think that he would deserve a little bit more than both Noah and Severino, uh, and, I, and I feel like this year uh, it should be a priority during the spring training to, to get this extension locked up. We all saw how Donald Last season, he was a the Cy Young winner, had a 170 ERA. So we know he is an ace. How about the rest of your rotation? Syndergaard, Wheeler, how are you guys feeling heading into 2019? What do you expect from these guys? How do you think the rest of the crew will pan out? Uh, I feel very confident in the rest of the crew. Um, well, the two guys you mentioned. Um, not as confident in uh, Max and um, Vargas, but um, I do feel like his, you know, he's a young guy. Um, you know, he's coming off. He's been injured throughout his career. He's had a few good seasons here and there. Last season he was inconsistent. But I feel like, you know, I, I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. And um, hopefully he can bounce back. But, you know, we've got a really, really good three pitchers on this roster. The Grom, Noah Syndergaard. Zach Wheeler, if they stay healthy, if they stay healthy, it's going to be very dangerous for all NL East hitters, all NL teams, and maybe hopefully if we make it to the playoffs, playoff teams are going to have to watch out because they pitch well in the playoffs as well. Um, with Vargas, you know, I talked about last week on our podcast um, that they should, the Mets should still try to get somebody who can um, compete with Vargas because I don't trust him. I don't think he's good, but it seems like they're going to roll with him as their fifth starter. I think that's a mistake, but that's the decision they've made. 
All right. So one of your weaknesses was injuries last year, but another one was your bullpen. With you guys acquiring Juris Familia, um, Edwin Diaz in that big blockbuster trade, and a few other minor moves such as Justin Wilson and um, former Philly um, Luis Avilon. How do you guys feel about the bullpen now? Uh, I I have a lot of faith in the bullpen that they pieced together slowly. It looks very different from what it was last year. Uh, obviously, at the end of last year, we, we lost Amelia at the trade deadline. We did not have Diaz. We did not have Wilson or Avalon. Um, but I think the guys that were there at the end of the season will be a huge factor, such as Tyler Bashler, uh, Drew Smith, Tim Peterson, Daniel Zamora, all guys that sort of have much smaller names but came up uh, and and had a good amount of success uh, in, in small pockets um, but were not really recognized because of the dying season the Mets had. So I think they're going to be a big part of this bullpen along with obviously the big names like Diaz, Familia, Lugo, and Wilson. Um, so, yeah, that that's how I'm feeling about the, our bullpen. I think it, we have a really solid core. But I think a huge issue the past few years was that uh, we were working our bullpen way too hard and way too often. So I think having these young guys uh, come together and really play their part will help the Mets have a long-lasting bullpen all the way into uh, into August and September. And also, um, before we go on, um, I think first, the bullpen, I think we have the best one-two punch in the NL East. Um, with uh, Familia and Edwin Diaz. I think it's lethal almost. Um, Familia has proven to be a very competent reliever throughout his career. And Edwin Diaz has been the best closer in the game the past two seasons. Now, two people you didn't mention there were um, Seth Lugo and Robert Giselman. Robert Giselman um, proved and set up relief last year, especially earlier on, that he can be competent um, in a relief role um, he did struggle down the line, but you know he, you know he had a lot, he had a massive workload last season. Um, so I expect him to be um, put up better numbers throughout the season this year. We also have Seth Lugo, who has been fantastic for the um, Mets in the bullpen. He's pitched in so many different roles. He's been um, not only has he been a start box starter, he's been a setup man. He's been a guy who can pitch it numerous innings for the Mets if necessary. So that's all um, necessary for a strong bullpen to have, all the, those moving parts um, coming together and closing out games for this really good rotation. Well, the Mets the past couple of years have been bit by the injury bug. We saw several star players go down. Jonas Cespedes goes down constantly. I'm sure Mickey Calloway has installed that next man up mentality in the Mets bench, who do you think could be a major player off the bench that'll help this team in 2019 compete for a division title? Um, uh, so we did also, gonna... yeah. So uh, this off season, we also acquired uh, JD Davis, which uh, John brought up a little bit earlier, who is a really big addition, uh, can play multiple positions, could fill in at first in a position that's sort of wary right now, waiting on our top prospect, Peter Alonzo, who we'll talk about a little bit um, in, a, in a little bit. Um, but he definitely uh, will form a huge bench role, as, along with guys who were sort of um, under the radar, such as 
TJ Rivera, who's coming off an injury, who didn't play at all last season after Tommy John surgery in the previous offseason, um, as well as um, Jed Lowry, who will play a lot of other positions uh, and could possibly start opening day on the bench as well, uh, depending on how the rest of the infield positions fill out. And um, for me, it's uh, Danny Hetrevaria, the newly signed uh, shortstop. He's going to be backing up Ahmed Rosario. He's got um, a fantastic glove. Um, he'll be great off the bench, I think, uh, especially defensively-wise. I mean, the Mets have a better defense this year than they did last year, definitely. But having that guy off the bench who can, who's just a fantastic defender – especially if you could go to that and maybe look ours in center field in the last couple of innings, that's very beneficial to have. And I think he'll be a big impact. So as we, we talked earlier about the Phillies lineup, what do you think the Mets lineup will look like this year? Well, um, so for me, you know, I, I kind of uh, thought about it this way. I think the leadoff hitter is going to be um, – well, I know the second hitter is going to be Jed Lowry. I'm trying to remember who I put as the first hitter, but the third hitter is going to be um, Robinson Cano. Then it's going to be – no, no, it's going to be – third is going to be um, Wilson Ramos. Fourth is going to be – you know, I messed this all up. All right, Jed Lowry is first. Then it's Robinson Cano. Then it's Wilson Ramos. Then, it's, um, for me, it's uh, Conforto. Then it's uh, – then it's going to be the fifth batter is going to be um, – what am I doing? I meant Brandon Nemo first. You know what, um, Jake, do you want to tell them yours? Because I'm having like a whole bit brain cramp right now. Yeah, so I, I think both of us struggle a little bit with this starting lineup situation just because of um, there being a lot of versatility on this team this year, and that's sort of what we, we are basing our whole – I mean, we really don't even have a set infield. Um, this year, but I, I would say, in my opinion, uh, in in order, I would go Nimmo, McNeil, Cano, Conforto, Ramos, Alonzo, Frazier, Rosario, and then Pitcher. Um, there was a little bit iffy between. For me, there was the biggest if was either Rosario in the eight or nine because last year he featured himself a lot in the nine spot, and as well as switching Nimmo and McNeil, that could happen uh, on a nightly basis. All right, now I just wrote it down. For me, it's um, going to be Nimmo, Lowry, Ramos, Cano, Conforto, Frazier, McNeil, Rosario. Well, in 2019, the NL East is going to be very competitive. It looks like it's a four-team race right now. Who do you guys think the biggest X factor in the Mets uh, organization will be on if you guys are able to secure the NL East in 2019? Um, uh, I would I say my – yeah, go for it, John. All right. Um, I, I wasn't sure because there was a bit of a pause if you were going or not. Okay. Yeah. So, Conforto, Conforto is my guy for this year. I think he's the X factor. I not only expect, but I absolutely believe that Conforto is going to take a huge step forward this season. He had a great second half last season after um, a devastating injury ended his season before, and they struggled – after he missed the whole spring training. I think good spring training this year, um, getting regular reps during spring training is going to be beneficial for him. I heard from um, 
several guys that are down to the Mets complex right now that he's looking fantastic. He hit back-to-back home runs today um, in, uh, you know, batting practice. You know, he's just um, doing very well. And I I fully expect him to almost have an MVP caliber type of season this year. And I, I don't think that's a uh, lofty expectation. Yeah, and I, I think our biggest X factor, in my opinion, is Jeff McNeil sort of settling into uh, the defensive uh, positioning of left field. I think him settling over there and having his bat be on like it was when he was at second base, I think that's a huge deal. Having three of probably the top outfielders uh, in, in, along with Conforto hitting on all cylinders and Nimmo doing what he did last season, having three of the top hitting an offensive outfielders, I think is going to be a huge deal in getting us in, into the playoffs next year. So, with prospects expected to have a big role on your team, just name quickly the, the few prospects you think will make the biggest impact. Um, for me... Yeah, uh, I would say... Me. Go for it. Okay. Um, so, the, the so biggest the prospect... Biggest prospect the Mets have traded a couple of their uh, better prospects um, for some uh, MLB caliber players like Diaz and Cano. So, um, Kellenic and even Dunn, who would have been an would impact, have been I an think, impact, this year, are, um, um, you know, with the, you know, with the team. There are some good guys to look forward to. Peter Alonzo is going to be great at first base. Uh, he, he's going to spend most of the year, I think, at first base, actually, out of all players on the Mets. Um, there is uh, uh, Andres Jimenez who has a plus glove, and I'm hearing that his bat's getting got much better over this off season. He's going to be an impact in 2019. Uh, a couple of low-level prospects who might not even be an impact this year, but uh, are very good. Um, you've got pictures, uh, David uh, Peterson, uh, Anthony Clay. Uh, you have. Second baseman, um, you have uh, a couple other guys, too, uh, to look forward to with the Mets prospects. So, you know, it's not the best uh, farm system in the game right now, but it is. it has a couple decent components within it. All right. Thank you. Thank you, John and Jake, for joining us tonight. It will be a fun divisional race in the NL East this year. Now, as we go to commercial break, we want to remind you to Call in and talk Phillies with us. Hey, it's John from the Maze and Mets podcast of the Baseball Podcast Network. I am here to tell you to join our podcast on Thursday. Tune in. It'll be at 7 p.m. It will run an hour and 30 minutes. We will talk about many of the spring training news going on right now, including Jacob deGrom's continued contract negotiations, the return of T.J. Rivera from Tommy John surgery, Robinson Cano arriving to spring training and using David Wright's old locker. David Wright will never be replaced, and Robinson Cano knows that. Robinson Cano is going to try and emulate what David Wright has meant for this to this team for so long. All that and much more Thursday, 7 p.m. Please join us. Thank you. 
Welcome back to the show, guys. Welcome back to FanCast. We've got him along with the Mets. Let's welcome in host of the Marlins Catch. Nick will be joining us. Nick, we joined your show last night. Had a ton of fun. How are you doing today? Hey, what's going on, guys? How's it going? We're good. We're good. So, as we look into 2019, NLE is looking to be one of the most competitive divisions in baseball. It's looking like a four-team race. All four have a legitimate shot to win it. And then it seems like the Marlins, who are in the midst of a Jeter-styled rebound, rebuild. What are you expecting in 2019? What do you hope to see out of this team? What are the key points you want to hit on as the 2019 season approaches? Oh, definitely. I'd like to see uh, progress with the team. Of course, we're in a rebuilding stage right now. Jeter tore down the team. Uh, We're trying to acquire as many young top prospects as possible. Uh, the build from the farm up, and I'm just looking for progress. You know, of course, Lewis Brinson, young guys like that, Brian Anderson, JT Riddle, uh, Steckenrider, you know, Jose Urania. We all we all want to see these guys do well. I'm looking for uh, just a, a step forward here because, of course, we're not in the mix with the uh, rest of the four teams in the division. And we're just, you know, we're just trying to rebuild here and build from the ground up. So I think our main goal of the season is just to progress more and get better as we go and just uh, – you know, just, just try to build a team that we can win in the future. All right. So, Nick, how do you who do you think could step up? Uh, so, first, let's bring out your lineup. What is your lineup going to look like in 2019? Well, our lineup. Well, my projected lineup actually, uh, of course, I think is going to be which I, of course, I did yesterday uh, when I had you guys on there. I have Curtis Granderson at right. Brian Anderson at third, Starlin Castro at second base, Jorge Alfaro at catcher, Victor Victor Mesa in left field, Martin Prado at first, Lewis Brinton in center, and JT Riddle in short, at shortstop. It'll be a lineup that might struggle to win some games. Not a lot of star players as you guys have had in the past couple of seasons having traded away. MVPs John Carlos Stanton, Christian Yelich, a quality outfielder, Marcel Azuna, and most recently JT Romuto, who you traded to the Philadelphia Phillies. So could you hit a little bit on what type of player the Phillies are acquiring in JT Romuto? Oh, definitely just an all-around catcher. You know, he's one of the best catchers in the game, a catcher in the game. He can field the ball very well. He's got a cannon behind home plate. He hits for contact and power. He absolutely led our team in home runs. After all the other players left, of course, Stanton and everybody actually had 21 homers last year. The Phillies are getting an all-around leader on the field. They are getting a great catcher in him. He's a franchise catcher for them. They, they should be very happy with what they got for him. Of course, I'm still a little upset that we had to get rid of him, but we definitely got some key pieces back in the organization for the near future for us. But they they should just be happy. Welcome in with open arms. This guy is a future catcher for you and is a franchise catcher. He's a great leader and definitely can help with the young pitchers. Love to hear it. All right. And we can assure you that Jorge Alfaro definitely has a lot of potential and same with Sixto Sanchez as they arrive in the ranks. Now let's get to your pitching rotation. You have a few young guys that you've sort of seasoned fairly well. We've seen some of them have success against us last year, which was disappointing to see for, from our standpoint. But I'm sure, I'm sure you were happy to see them have a bit of success with times last year. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's great to see young pitchers go because, you know, this is our future rotation here, especially the guys of, like, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, you know, the guys like that, of course, they're young and, you know, they're the future pieces of our team. Of course, we have some veterans thrown in there as well. But, yeah, you know, against the Phillies, you know, definitely you guys put up that uh, 21 game against us, unfortunately. But I believe that was Caleb Smith who was on the mound. Uh, but it just it was just a rough uh, game against you guys. I remember that. But it's definitely encouraging to see the young pitchers step up and come here in 2019. And, you know, they want to be here. They want to be part of the future plan that Jeter has. They want to be on the field and we're in the playoffs. They want to be ready to go. Uh, they're just playing, you know, it's great to see that, knowing that, hey, this is signs of the future. This is great signs that we definitely are looking at. And just just gives me a thumbs up saying we're in the right direction. Well, like you said, we did have that 21-run game against you. We had two of my personal favorite games against you, including the Michael Franco walk-off homer. So I'd just like to thank you. But in 2019, it's also going to look like the bullpen, uncertain how that'll fare. Who do you expect to lead this bullpen, and how do you expect the rest of the team to follow through? Well, of course, with the signing of Sergio Romo that we recently got, he would definitely be uh, at the top of the rotation, definitely an eighth, ninth inning guy. He also got the license through second rider as well, and Adam Conley, who I think these three actually have a very nice future ahead of them as well. Of course, Romo being a little bit too old, a little older than the younger guys. Second rider, of course, being 27 years old. Conley in 27 as well. And you got Tehran Guerrero with those heat. Uh, this bullpen is, is encouraging. A lot of young guys in there. So we uh, help, uh, help mentor the younger guys as well. I am a big fan of Drew Steckenrider. I think this guy is definitely a great piece to have. And it's just promising for the future. Like I said before, when you look at our prospects and our pitching prospects, we got a ton of them. Unfortunately, a lot of them didn't work out yet, but it's definitely too early to tell. But it's definitely, you know, we're looking forward to the future. It's promising. Of course, we're suffering right now. But remember, it's going to get ugly before it gets pretty. And Jeter's, I feel like that Jeter has a plan here. And I'm just I'm ready to go. I think this bullpen, you know, could work, could use a little magic, could use some you know, younger guys in there. But I think we're working on the right direction here. Uh, that sounds good now. Let's move to your bench. Obviously, you're trying to – grow some young guys, but maybe signings like Neil Walker. You think Neil Walker will start, or will he pee off the bench? In my opinion, he will be off the bench. I think he is going to he is gonna try his best in spring training. He's definitely going to compete for a starting job. If he was going to start anywhere, I would have to put him at first base. But in my opinion, Martin Prada will move over to first base and get the starting nod over there. Due to the team announcing, of course, Don Magley announcing at FanFest a couple weeks ago that Brian Anderson will be starting at third base this season. But, yes, I have Neil Walker on the bench, as well as Miguel Rojas, Chad Wallach, Garrett Cooper, and Peter O'Brien. Well, it does look like the Marlins will be the lone team in the NL East that doesn't seem like they're exactly competing for the division. Do you think that you guys could make a splash and land ahead of any teams in 2019? Unfortunately, we're talking realistic. I do not. Uh, I just don't think this team is, you know, relatively able to compete with the likes of the Nationals, the Mets, the Braves, and, of course, the Phillies. Uh, all four of those other teams, I've, I've actually been trying to build up a nice roster. And you guys are close to maybe getting Harper. The Mets got Cano and Diaz. 
the Braves got a very, very young and talented team. And the Nationals, of course, have some young guys too as well that are ready to go now, but our younger guys are not ready to go now, and they're ready to go in the future. Right now, I just don't think our lineup is talented enough to compete with you guys. I think we will at least be 20 games under. We'll be 20. You guys will be 20 games ahead of us, in my opinion. So you guys will probably separate from the pack there. I feel like it's going to be a four-team race uh, in the division, and then unfortunately we're going to be in the bottom half. But I'm never going to lose faith in the Marlins. I am, you know, I'm hoping, I'm praying that we make a splash here and move ahead of some of the other teams here. But in my opinion now, I just don't think it's our time right now, and I think we just have a couple more years, and we'll be ready to go. That sounds great. Sounds great. Uh, I really hope that the, these prospects start panning out for you. Uh, as a Phillies fan who went through a rebuild after such a successful time, I know how tough it could be to go through that kind of stretch as a fan. So, you know, you just got to gotta. gotta get through these years and eventually you'll get back to being relevant in contention again. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause you know, Sico Sanchez, of course we got him from you guys as well. Uh, lots of like about him as well. If I can get a couple of your opinions on Sico, that'd be great. So kind of give us you know, a little bit of a, uh, just tell us a little bit about him. So we know what's going on with Sico. It'd be cool. Sico is a player that I think once he reaches the major league level has a ton of talent and a ton of potential He's been compared to Pedro Alvarez as a comparison. I think that right now he is dealing with some injuries that are keeping him down in single A. I do have a ton of faith in Sixto. I think once he develops through the system, you guys will get a great number one ace for many years to come. Who's your X factor, Nick? This year, who could really, you know, if Marlins are to – reach, I don't know, 70 games, which would be a big thing for them. Who do, who do you think would be the main reason for that? Who would have to step up? I would definitely have to say it would be Lewis Brinson. Of course, Brinson had a slow start to the first half of the season. Second half, he made a lot of adjustments, came out much stronger. Of course, he had a 199 average in total, didn't even get over the Mendoza line. Uh, I just think if Lewis Brinson could play well, of course, he's patrolling center. His defensive efforts have been fantastic. I think Lewis Brinson's playing well and doing the best he can. I just think that he, if he could hit at least over 260, 270 with 20-plus homers, I think we would have a real shot to get at least 70 wins. Of course, Lewis Brinson has to be a leader here. He's very young. And, of course, I think Sandy Alcantara as well needs to be ready to go. He needs to come up and take the big role here. Of course, Jose Urania and Dan Straley are, are one and twos here, but if Sandy Alcantara could just come and say, hey, I belong in the MLB, I'm ready to go, I want to be the future ace of this team, it could definitely win to definitely bring more wins upon us as well. And, you know, we just need that to, to win games. Lewis Brunson and all of our young guys basically to step up is how we need to win games. We need to have all of our young guys come up to the main roster and say, yo, we're ready to go. Uh, just do the best they can, try hard every night, and just deliver us Ws. Before we let you go, Nick, could you give us a timetable on when you think the Marlins will be back in contention? When is this rebuild going to end, and when could we possibly see October baseball in Miami? Oof. Uh, it's a hard one. I don't want to push it here. I'm not going to say 2020. I'm going to give it as low as as high as 2021. I think at least in 2021, we are going to be having some winning seasons. Uh, I don't necessarily think winning the division yet, 
So I'm going to have to stretch it to 21-22. In my opinion, that's the time frame that we are going to be starting to compete for playoff spots. I think 2021, we will be having a winning record. And in 2020, next season, I think that we are going to start getting back to the 500 level. So I think this is our, in my opinion, our very last our last season of, you know, having not a fantastic record at all, like winning 65 games. And in my opinion, 2021-2022 is when the Marlins will be competing for a playoff slot, in my opinion. Well, thank you for joining us today, Nick. We hope we wish you and the Marlins the best of luck in 2019, however that may unfold. We're going to seg to a network advertisement. When we get back, still many more to talk about on both the Braves and the Nationals and how me and Isaac think the NL East will unfold in 2019. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. This is Blake here with the Rattle Up podcast, a podcast all about the Arizona Diamondbacks. This week, we will preview the National League West Division and go over each team, how their offseason has gone, including trades and trades and signings, and predict who will be the MVP, Cy Young, Silver Slugger, Rookie of the Year, Delivery Man of the Year, and Comeback Player of the Year for each team, including the Giants, Padres, Dodgers, Rockies, and D-backs. We will also predict the MLB Awards, Playoff Picture, and World Series Eventual Champion. All that and much more on the 90-Minute NLS Preview Show, this Friday, 10 Eastern Time, 8 Mountain Time. That's 10 Eastern Time, 8 Mountain Time. See you there. Welcome back to FanCast. Huge shout-out to all the hosts of the other podcasts on the network joining in today, talking about their respective clubs in the NL East. But it doesn't seem like any of those two teams will be the major threat to the Phillies in 2019. The reigning NL East champs, the Atlanta Braves, could pose one of the larger threats. Isaac, what do you expect from the Braves coming in 2019? Some people are going to get on me for this on my Instagram page, and I know it. But one of my bold takes is that the Braves will be fourth in the division. Now, there's, I have a couple of reasons for saying this. I believe there's a lot of reasons to for regression for the Braves. There are a lot of wins that you can go back to. I saw a stat that were, I don't know, kind of fluky. Happened in different situations that you won't see happening again this year. And they kind of got away last year without having any premier pitching, which doesn't usually happen for a division-winning team. So, Coy, I'm going to introduce to you the Braves starting lot, projected starting lineup for 2019. Um, it starts out with um, with their center Gold Glove winning center fielder Ender Inciarte. Um, then is their big splash of the off season, Josh Donaldson former MVP of the Blue Jays. Last year, he spent the end of the year with the Cleveland Indians. And, you know, he was signed a one-year, $23 million deal, low-risk, high-reward type of situation for the Braves. So I believe that was the good, a good signing for them, but it was the only signing that they truly, truly made. So then they'll have their perennial MVP candidate, Freddie Freeman, batting third. Then their outstanding rookie last year, um, Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, then they have Nick Markakis, who they just re-signed. Then they'll have catcher in the projected to be in the sixth hole. Then they'll have Ozzy Albies in the seventh hole and Dansby Swanson, the former number one pick, in the eighth hole. So if you go through that lineup, then you see some imposing figures. 
some guys that you might be a little scared of, but at the same time, you can't – compared to our lineup now, it's not one that my jaw drops at. How do you, how do you feel about it, Corey? I do think the Braves have a very strong lineup. I think it is the strong suit of their team. Like you said, one through eight there, it sounds like having Ozzy Albies down at the seven hole. Albies was an MVP candidate for the first three months of the season last year, dipped off a little bit. Dansby Swanson was the number one overall pick. I still think he could come through as a very good player. A team that I do like very much. The Josh Donaldson signing, like you said, low risk, low risk, very high reward. I'm not sure that we'll see him come back to producing at the same level in as he did in 2015 when he won MVP. But this is a lineup that I think is the scariest to, in the division, opposing the Phillies. And the reason that one through eight, they have threats at each spot in the lineup. This is a team that we saw take advantage of a mediocre division last year. The Nationals fell far under expectations. The Phillies fell off. The Mets were hurt. Marlins were awful. This is a team that took advantage of low-caliber teams, got to the playoffs, were knocked out as fast as they got there. I think that this is a slightly improved team. This is not one that if the Phillies do land Harper, we'll be able to keep up with the Phillies in 2019. I totally agree with you. Um, Mike Voltovich, um at the top at the top of the rotation is a number two starter at best, and you just can't survive a season in this competitive a division with a, a rotation like this. With Mike Fultonevich at the top, then Sean Newcomb being your number two starter, it's really hard. He would he would definitely be the number four starter in the in the Phillies rotation, which, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's not saying that much. You have Kevin Gosman, who was traded from the Orioles last year. Um, Tuki Toussaint, a uh, recent prospect who was brought up last year. And Julio Terran, who's sort of their most seasoned, seasoned starter. So, boy, I'm not too scared of the rotation. I can see the Phillies raking against this team, can't you? I do think, like you said, that the starting pitching on this team is very superior to the likes of the other clubs in the NL East. I think the top three National League pitchers are all in the NL East, and none of them are on the reigning champs. We've got Scherzer, uh, Strasburg, and Corbin as a one-two. Washington, Syndergaard, and Jacob DeGrom are a very good one-two combo. And then the Phillies have Aaron Nola, who finished third in Cy Young voting, and a lot of players with a ton of potential to come through. Jake Arrieta, former Cy Young winner. I think if you look at it, the Braves have the fourth best um, rotation in the division. And I think it is very hard to win a division when you are that low in comparison to the other clubs. So it does seem like their rotation could struggle a little bit. Break us through the bullpen and how that could provide a source of wins for them in 2019. So here's how they could win in 2019. They it can be how the 2008 Phillies were to slug their way to a bunch of wins. And that's how it's going to have to be. Um, they'll have to utilize their bullpen well. Um, it was back-ended by A.J. Minter, Johnny Venters, and possibly they could bring in Craig Kimbrell for a reunion. Um, they're, like I said, Corey, they're going to have to slug their way to a lot of wins. They're going to have to score seven or eight runs somewhere in the five to eight run range most of the time, which they could do it. It is possible, especially if 
Josh Donaldson is rather resurgent. I believe that that could play a key factor in their success. Um, he's probably their X factor, I'd say. So they could they could definitely scratch out wins by slugging, slugging their way. I definitely agree with you that if this team is going to win games, they're going to be high-scoring wins. We will see a team that is clobbering homers. They have very good offensive weapons. Ronald Acuna Jr. had a great 2018 campaign rookie of the year. I think he will be a perennial all-star for many years to come. Freddie Freeman is the type of player who he's in the division. We hate to see him win, but it's hard to not respect the guy. He's been around for very tough days. They're back up track now. Very good player. Donaldson, who knows how he can perform. And then off the bench, we have guys like Charlie Culberson, Adam Duvall, guys that could add a big at-bat in pitch-hitting situations, filling in injuries. It's not a super lengthy bench. It'll be tough to see who the starting catcher is come opening day, whether it be Tyler Flowers or Brian McCann. McCann is a veteran leader in that uh, clubhouse. He was a former Brave before getting traded all around to the Yankees and Astros. So it'll be interesting to see how the lack of depth is portrayed in 2019, if it will affect the Braves, or if this lineup can stay healthy, they can get their wins and compete once again for the division title. Yep, it'll certainly be interesting, and as I said, I think my X factor is definitely Josh Donaldson. See if he can propel them to the next level. Um, continue their success in the National League East as they won the division last year. So, I mean, Josh Donaldson was their big get this offseason. We'll see what he could do for them. I do agree with you on that, but uh, go a little bit off track from you seem a little different. I think Dansby Swanson will be a major contributor to see how they perform in 2019. He was traded to them for Shelby Shelby Miller to the Arizona Diamondbacks after being the first round, first overall pick. Great player from Vanderbilt, helped them win a national title. He is one of those players that's on an opposing team, but I enjoy to watch very much. Going back to his college days, I think that he has potential to burst onto the scene this season. He beat up the Phillies a little bit. I think that we could see a career year for him, which could be threatening to the Phillies come 2019. So the bench of the Atlanta Braves will be rather key in their success as well as Johan Camargo will be coming off the bench. Either Brian McCann or Tyler Flowers will be coming off the bench, along with Adam Duvall. So we'll see. We'll see how they do there. I, I don't believe that they have a lot of everyday starters who will stay in most of the game since they all have relatively good defense. Um, I don't believe that their bench will be a huge factor in their season, but they might have to have some key bats down the road. Down the road. Well, we'll get to our predictions at the next hour, but bearing some major switch up by you, I believe you have the Braves finishing below the Mets. Could you give us our reasoning, what you think the Mets have above the Braves, and which will send the Braves from winning the division to near the basement of it? They're pitching. It's quite simple, Coy. Pitching means a lot. It obviously didn't last year, but that's because other teams were young and faded and had injuries. This year, the Phillies are rejuvenated and all ready to go. 
they won't make the same mistakes they did last year. Gabe Kaplan won't make the same mistakes. The Mets are getting healthier and shirt up their depth. Um, that's the reason why I believe the Mets will finish above them. The Nationals are very well-rounded. That's the team I might be the most scared of. We'll talk about them in a few minutes. But I truly believe that the Braves are bound to regress in a lot of ways. And I, I don't see them finishing above fourth place. It's really hard for me to see that. This is a very good team that have done the rebuild pretty well. We've seen them in a similar spot to the Phillies where they have been rebuilding the past couple of years. And the Washington Nationals failed to live up to expectations in 2018. As the season kept going on and on, everyone kept saying uh, it's the Nationals division to lose still. They can come back and win it. They kept falling apart. It became a two-team race between the Phillies and the Braves. Of course, the Phillies fell off, and the Braves took advantage of a failing NL East. I agree with you that I don't see them repeating their success in 2019, but I do think this is a very good team, very good lineup. If they improved on pitching, possibly signed Dallas Keuchel, I would be much more worrisome of how they will pan out. But I think this is one of the top lineups in baseball, just in the fact of how much depth there is, how much star potential there is. We've got a couple MVP candidates in the first four hitters of this team. Ozzy Albies falls down at the bottom. He's another one that could have a ton of MVP caliber potential. So I think it is a very threatening lineup. But like you said, bullpen rotation-wise, I don't think it's much to fear for the Phillies fans. Bottom four, bottom four spotting is not exactly where I see them falling, but I think it is very realistic that they could wind up there. Yeah, I understand where you're, where you're getting with that. It's just, like I said, this is one of my bold predictions. So obviously they have enough talent offensively to be able to slug their way to another division title. I just don't see it happening this year. I really don't. I think their luck will run out a bit. They'll obviously, if they spend some money on pitching, maybe they trade for Madison Bumgarner, trade for Corey Kluber, pull the trigger and get rid of those prospects that they truly don't need as much anymore. They can really make themselves dangerous. And I think they probably, that probably is something that their fans are a little frustrated with that they didn't acquire JT real Muto. We swooped in and stole them away, sort of. They were negotiating with the Marlins all all winter long. And, you know, uh, the Braves didn't necessarily stand pat as they did acquire Josh Donaldson, but in in the busy NL East, I would have won more as a Braves fan. I think, like you said about JT Romito, I think even bigger than the Phillies acquiring JT Romito was that the Atlanta Braves didn't and that they weren't able to upgrade to the best catcher in baseball who we now have, which would have made them a very lineup, one that could be good enough to carry them into another division title. But it's two very different lineups in the aspect that the Phillies now have a ton of veterans with a lot of major league experience. And while the Braves do have a couple of those guys, it's mostly young players who have they have developed. Like you said, they have a very good young core, so I could see them trading away a couple of those prospects for a more win-now mentality similar to what Matt Klintak has done. So let's head into another network advertisement. When we get back, we will finish up with the Washington Nationals. If they are able to continue their success in the Bryce Harper-less era and how this NLEs could unfold, all this and more, last half hour of FanCast. Hey guys, this is Benson from Bucko Booth, also producer here on the show. Just want to make sure you tune in this Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern. We have a very special episode lined up for you. We're going to be 
breaking down, getting you guys ready for the Pirates-Phillies matchup later in the day, first spring training game. We're also going to be discussing the bench options for the Pirates in 2019, as well as taking a look back at the last five opening day starters, as Clint Hurdle just recently announced that Jameson Ty will take them out on opening day and Chris Archer for their home opener. And to wrap it up, we're going to be looking at the top 100 prospect rankings and see where guys like Hugh Brian Hayes and Mitch Keller land. All this and much more on this week's episode of Bucko Booth at 8 a.m. Eastern. Make sure you tune in. You do not want to miss it. And uh, enjoy the rest of this episode. And we will see you Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. We've gone through three of the other teams in the NL East. The Braves obviously won last year. But before that, it had been the Washington Nationals division. They've run through it never making it any more farther than the NLDS. Players of the likes of Bryce Harper, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, they have been able to dominate this division. And now it seems like that era could be coming to an end. Isaac, what are you thinking looking at this Nationals division and how they plan to move forward without Bryce Harper? Well, you see, I'm pretty scared of the Washington Nationals. Last year, uh, everyone was expecting them to make the playoffs, run away with it, maybe even go to the World Series. This year, I believe their their front office did an excellent job. Yes, they didn't dish out their money all on Bryce Harper. However, however, they um, spent their money on Brian Dozier. They spent their money on Patrick Corbin. Um, they spent their money in other ways. on They traded for Jan Gomes. And it really made their team more well-rounded. This is still a very good team. They have players of the likes of Anthony Rendon, Juan Soto, Trey Turner, a couple young prospects coming up that could fill the void that Bryce Harper potentially leaving would create a little bit of people would assume to be a downfall in the Nationals organization. But it seems like they still have enough talent to compete for not only the NL. East, but I think this is a team that, with the right bit of luck and right sort of moves, could very easily contend for a potential pennant chase. Anthony Rendon is one of the most underrated players in baseball, I think, personally. I think he is a one of the best third basemen in baseball. The Nationals will be foolish to not lock him up next season. Trey Turner is a very good young shortstop. Juan Soto might be the second coming of Bryce Harper, young. Teenage talent, had a great 2018 campaign. Uh, Victor Robles will be coming up, another very good young player. So I think if Bryce Harper does leave, they won't be as stranded as many would expect. This is still a very good team, and they could very easily win this division in 2019. I agree with you completely. Now getting the lineup, they have speedsters such as Adam Eaton and Trey Turner with Anthony Rendon in the middle of the lineup along with uh, Juan Soto and another potential rookie of the year candidate this year, Victor Robles. So you add in those guys and the catcher duo of Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki. Um, you look at a pretty well-rounded lineup here. It, there may not be that one star you're looking for, although it could be Anthony Rendon this year. He could break out. As you said, he is most definitely one of the most underrated players. You look at his OPS, 
his uh, weighted runs created. It is very impressive. His war as well. He is the most valuable player in the National League over the past two seasons. Can you believe that? It's kind of crazy to think about. I think you said that it is sort of crazy. This team has been so much focused on being Bryce Harper's team and also the struggle that they haven't been able to advance to an NLCS. I think it often overlooks the greatness that is Anthony Rendon, who is doesn't have as many all-stars first that I think he should. He is a player that could be in the competition for MVP this year. He is a very talented player. I think he'll be the cornerstone of their team for the next couple of years. But Mike Rizzo has done a good job with this team, not seeming to overpay for Bryce Harper when he'll be able to save this money, invest it in Rendon. He added a third ace to this rotation with a three-headed monster of Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin. How much fear do you have of facing this division, uh, divi- facing this division rival, and having to face this rotation six series a year? Um, rotation, it's going to be hard. Last year, we actually did a decent job, I think, against the Nationals, especially in their game, especially in our games, but against Max Scherzer, we luckily had Aaron Nola in two of those games, and some clutch hitting from Odubel Herrera. However, this year, with our lineup, if we get Bryce Harper, Coy, I'm pretty confident almost against against almost any rotation. It's really about our our own pitching and how we can hold the other team to less runs. But I have a feeling we could put four to five runs on a team on almost any given day, except for maybe Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is one of those guys that you hope that matches up with your ace because any given day he can have one of those lockdown performances. Just a little bit of live news here on the show that the Padres are out of the Bryce Harper sweepstakes. It is being reported by Bob Nightingale that they are out of it. Like It will come down to the Phillies and Giants as we move forward. Jim Bowden has been saying that the Phillies are progressing towards a deal. Just wanted to get that out there as Phillies fans are anxiously anticipating what could be the biggest free agent signing in MLB history. And also some news that I saw broke from Bob Nightingale as well. Um, The physical for Manny Machado is expected to be completed tomorrow. As everything is starting to unfold as spring training is coming along, it's looking like we should have a very good sight on how the MLB will unfold, how all the rosters are going to look as soon as next week in our next show. Hopefully it'll be a giant Bryce Harper segment where we can talk about his impact and how he will affect this team in 2019. Let's get back to his old team, the Washington Nationals. Like you said, very good rotation. How about that bullpen once they get the late innings in a game? How do you see that? This is definitely one of the weaknesses of the Washington Nationals. Um, they truly don't have many imposing uh, figures in the bullpen. Um, they do have Sean Doolittle, who is one of the, the underrated relievers, I believe. Um, they have Kyle Bearclaw they just trade for in the Marlins. I believe this was one of their weaknesses last year. It seems to be a weakness for a lot of NL East teams is that we – None of the teams really had this great bullpen, and that led to a lot of late-inning struggles. Uh, that included the Washington Nationals. So we'll see if, their bull, if they did do enough to improve their bullpen. I, I don't believe they did enough to make themselves 
top three in the National League East. Or not I mean, top two in the National League East. 162 games will speak for themselves, but I believe the Nationals are a force to be reckoned with, and they won't always need a superior bullpen to win games. As you said, they do lack a little bit of bullpen depth, but they do not lack any depth in the bench. This is a very good position player team. Like you said, the catcher combo of Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki will be very good, very lethal as this year goes on. And their infield is stacked all the way from stars to bench. Guys like Matt Adams, Wilmore Defoe, Brian Dozier, Howie Kendrick all could come off the bench. Very good stars, Ryan Zimmerman, Trey Turner, Anthony Rendon, of course. And even in the outfield, they've got Adam Eaton, Juan Soto, Michael A. Taylor, were the starters last, will likely be the starters this season. If Victor Robles jumps onto the show, has a repeat of Juan Soto's season, he could swoop in. This seems like a well-depth team that has a lot of versatility and flexibility. And it seems like another team in the NL East that has a lot of bats and could be another force to be reckoned with. Very well put, Coy. Very well put. Michael, like you said, Michael E. Taylor, one of those guys who could potentially have a big role for them off the bench who regressed last year, but definitely wants to prove his spot this year. I think the Nationals are going to have a hunger. They're going to have a hunger, especially without Bryce Harper. Believe it or not, they may be a better team without him. They may be a better team without Bryce Harper because the spotlight won't be on them anymore. And I don't see how I don't see how they finish below third in, in the division. Well, it is going to be – it'll be a dogfight at the top of this division. And we do think that they do have a lot of depth, as we've said. Who do you think the starting infield and starting outfield could pan out? And who do you think will fill that void on the bench? I have Ryan Zimmerman at first base, Jan Gomes and – um, Kurt Suzuki splitting the catching duties. Um, at shortstop, you have Trey Turner. Second base, Brian Dozier. Um, third base, you have Anthony Rendon, of course. Uh, center field. Um, that's going to be a good question for the Nationals. Maybe they insert Juan Soto there. Maybe they put Adam Eaton in. Then in the corner outfield spots, um, I'd expect Juan Soto to have a starting spot. And maybe Adam Eaton as well. Um, does that sound right to you, Coy? And then, I do think that sounds like an accurate representation of what the team could look like. But I do think that one of the biggest misuses by the Nationals last year was playing Bryce Harper in center field, a spot where he struggled often, similar to Reese Hoskins, who struggled, struggled in left field. Like you said, this could be a better team, especially defensively, if they fix that center field. Adam Eaton is a more natural center fielder. You said they could move Juan Soto in there. Victor Robles is another potential option. I do think that you're not far off when you say this could be a better team without Bryce Harper. For sure, for sure. I think the whole mentality of the team will be a bit different. Um, it, it'll truly be a different different makeup, as you said. But... Um, I, like I said, I don't think there's someone. I don't think there's someone you to take. You can take lightly this year. They have a top three in the rotation to be reckoned with. Uh, the three, the three parter of um, Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, and my X factor for the Washington Nationals, um, 
Steven Strasburg. He's still on that massive contract they gave him after the first few good years of his career. And he showed he's stay healthy. And if he stays healthy and, you know, gives them some good quality 25 to 30 stars this year, this could be a real dangerous team, especially come playoff time. Like you said, this could be a very dangerous team. My personal X factor for the 2019 season is Victor Robles. We saw the Nationals have had a history of young outfielders burst onto the scene. Victor Robles could be no exception. I think he is a potential all-star player. He has a lot of talent. He could fit in with with Juan Soto, Michael Taylor, and me. And however they get mixed around, I think if he jumps onto the scene, has a very good season, much like Juan Soto did. This is just a team that could get better and better as the year progresses. I agree. I, I agree completely. Um, the Nationals, I watched some of the their analysis on TV, and they, they're, they're getting to terms with saying goodbye to Bryce Harper. Um, they're not going to be happy whenever he comes back to um, Citizens Bank Park South their home park in Washington, D.C. Although, I can't see them being as ruthless as Philly fans would be if he didn't sign with Philly. That's one thing I was thinking about, Coy. Like, compare, like comparing how mad the Nationals would be at Bryce Harper leaving compared to Bryce Harper not signing with the Phillies. E- even though he hasn't been there, it would be kind of crazy. So, the impact prospect on the Washington Nationals, I believe, has to be Victor Robles. Like you said, he could, he could be the a repeat of Juan Soto last year, this hotshot prospect to come in and put together some solid power, speed, and just contact overall. Um, the Nationals could have a scary good outfield, at least in two spots now, if Victor Robles performs uh, to his potential. Who do, who do you have as some other impact prospects for Nationals? Why do you think Victor Robles will be the best potential prospect that the Nats will have burst onto this scene in 2019? I think that it'll be a collection of the group to see who jumps on, which young pitchers could fill out that void in the bullpen. As we said, they lack some talent there. Trevor Rosenstahl, Sean Doolittle, the head guys in that bullpen. So they'll see who steps up, who delivers, and helps them secure games. And that could be a key piece in 2019. But let's see how we all think the National League East could end up when we get back our predictions on how the East unfolds, where the playoffs stand, and who our World Series champion will be. Stay tuned after this network advertisement. This week on the iView, we talk about what the MLB will be doing in spring training games as there will be 20-second pitch clocks for each pitcher. We will also be talking about possible enemies in the division and who will put up good division games along with rivalries and how our first two spring training games went along with full reports and any news from spring training games and practices so far. Make sure you tune in this Sunday. Thanks, guys. So before we seg into our NL East predictions, let's bring in Patrick from Pennsylvania wanting to talk a little bit of Bryce Harper. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks. Um, well, what I would want to say about the NL East is 
I think the Phillies are most likely to win it, though, because um, they have plenty of young talent that's going to try to get better, and that they acquired Gene Segura, J.C. Romuto, and, and signed David Robertson and Andrew McCutcheon. do have a lot of young talent that we're hoping to step up this year. Um, and while you're on that, um, I just got a note on the, something else that, that broke. Um, Cole, Cole Irvin is going to be the starter at the first spring training game on Friday. He's one of those young guys who we actually had on our show earlier. You can check out in our second episode, I believe. Um, but he, he'll be starting the first spring training game on Friday. Um, he's he's one of those young guys that can really step up. All right, we want to thank you for calling, Patrick, as we'll move to our analyst predictions. So, Cole, you want to tell me your record and standings for this year? Well, I would like to say congratulations real quick to Cole Irvin, fa- friend of the show, had him on earlier, great guy, wishing the best of luck in 2019. Like you said, I'll seg into those predictions. I think this is – Assuming the fact that Bryce Harper will sign with the Philadelphia Phillies, I have the Phillies finishing first, Nationals following at a close second, four games back. I think the Braves will be four games behind them, finishing third. Mets will finish just under 500, and the Miami will be a 100-loss team. I think they slide in the basement of this division. No shocker there. Isaac, what are you thinking? We have um, eerily similar predictions, Coy. I'd I have the Phillies finishing with 93 wins. Um, I have the Nationals finishing with 90. Um, the Mets with 84, six behind the Nationals. Um, the Braves I have at 500, um, 81-81. And, and then the Marlins, one game under 60. We have 59 wins for them. So, I mean, as, as we said earlier, I expect the Braves to be fourth in the division to regress. Um at the 500 mark, one game better than the Phillies were last year. I know it sounds hard to believe, but I truly believe uh, division games will be a lot closer. Um, their pitching will not be nearly as lucky this year. So, um, then we're going to move into our playoff predictions. Um, Corey, who, who do you have in the playoffs? I'm going to do everyone listening a favor right now. Go over to Vegas, your local casino. Bet this in. This will lock you up a ton of money. Like I said, Phillies will win the East. I think the Cubs will rebound and get the Central. The Dodgers are going to win the NL West. Wild cards, I think, will be the Nationals and the Cardinals. Before we head into how we think the playoffs will unfold, Isaac, who do you think locks up the division? Locks up the divisions in the National League? Uh, In the National League, I have the Cardinals winning the National League Central. I have the Brewers finishing behind them and getting a wild card spot. I have the Nationals getting a wild card spot as well behind the Phillies. And I have the Dodgers winning the National League West. I'll state my uh, American League teams, uh, division winners. Uh, in the American League West, I have the Astros winning the division. Um, I have the Yankees winning the American League East. Um, and I have the Cleveland Indians winning the American League Central. What about you, Corey? Well, I think I agree with you on almost all those. I've got the Yankees winning the East with the best record in baseball and the American League. I think the Indians and Astros will respectively win their divisions, giving us that Bauer-Bregman-October matchup that all baseball fans are waiting for. I think both wild cards will come out of the American League East. I think the Boston Red Sox reigning champs will get 
the first wild card, and then the Tampa Bay Rays, low market team, not a lot of attention paid to them. They're a very good club. I think they will snag that second wild card and have the potential to make a little bit of noise in October. That is a good, good call there. I I actually have some of the same exact predictions as you, Koi. I have the Red Sox versus the Rays in the wild card game. I guess great minds think alike. Who do you have winning? And how do you see the rest of the playoffs unfolding? I have the Rays actually beating the Red Sox in the wild card game. The Yankees and Rays facing each other. Um, I have the Astros versus the Indians. And I have the Astros and Yankees meeting up American League Championship Series. Then we'll shift over to the National League side. In the NLB, in the NLDS, I have the the Dodgers facing the Cardinals. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the Cardinals facing the Brewers. After the Brewers and Nationals played each other in the wild card game, I have the Brewers beating the Nationals in the wild card game. Then going on to face the Cardinals, where I believe they will lose to the Cardinals. Um, I believe the Phillies will match up against the Dodgers, who they will be defeated by. And I think Dodgers will be in the NLCS for the fourth straight year. I differ from you a little bit there. I think that the Cubs will win over the Nationals, get to the NLCS again. The Phillies with a rotation that will then include Jake Garrietta, Madison Bumgarner, and Darren Nola will be able to continue those Dodgers postseason woes, knock them out early. I do think a very good Cubs team will be able to beat the Phillies. They'll move on to the World Series. Well, they will face the Yankees, who have beaten both the Red Sox, who won the wild card game, and the Cleveland Indians, who I think will beat the Houston Astros. I like that three-headed monster of Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, and Corey Kluber, assuming they will all still be there. And sadly, once it gets to the end of October, I think a 28th banner will be hung in New York. I think that this Yankees team is so stacked from the rotation to the lineup to the bullpen. This is the most talented team in baseball. They've added a whole bunch of bullpen weapons to make them the Red Sox, who have won a couple World Series now. They're envying to get back at it, add another one to the banners. In my World Series matchup, I have the Houston Astros versus the St. Louis Cardinals. The St. Louis Cardinals beating the Dodgers en route to the World Series and the Yankees beating the – I mean, the Astros beating the Yankees en route to the World Series. Um, I have the Cardinals winning this series in seven, ga- in seven games. Hopefully be more entertaining in this year's. Um, we've been treated to a nice few World Series before this year. So hopefully we can get back to that with the Houston Astros and St. Louis Cardinals, even though I really, really hate the Cardinals. I see them winning the World Series this year. They just have added to their they've added their bullpen. Their lineup now is made made to succeed in the National Central and the rotation has a few breakout candidates, so I see that happening. Cardinals have delivered the most painful game of my lifetime watching them sort of end the Phillies dynasty, winning in the NLDS in game five against the Phillies, ending my favorite player, Ryan Howard's career. It all spiraled downhill after that ruptured Achilles. So I pray, I hope they're the team I least want to see succeed in 2019. 
I think it is, they are a very good roster, and they very well could compete for a World Series, but I very much hope you are wrong. And it seems like this, off, this whole season will be filled with teams neither of us seem to like as the Yankees. My World Series pick, another one I do not enjoy seeing succeed, but it seems like this is how the teams stack up, a couple powerhouses. Hopefully the Phillies are able to compete what do you think gives the Dodgers the edge over them in the NLDS? Um, the, oh, give them the edge over the Dodgers? Just the edge over the Phillies, as you said. The Dodgers would knock the oh. Phillies out. Oh, yes, yes. Um, I believe it's the rotation. Um, the Phillies, I mean, you, like you said, you were assuming the Phillies would trade for Madison Bumgarner or some kind of pitcher to add into the rotation. But let's say that the Phillies go into the playoffs with Aaron Nola, Jake Arrieta, and Nick Pavetta as their top three starters, just to throw one in there. Um, compare that to Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, almost any other pitcher. That's two aces right there for the Dodgers, and the Phillies only have one. Um, the Dodgers have two aces. The Phillies only have one. I just see a mismatch there. The Dodgers do have an incredible amount of experience for the past two years, even though they choked. Um, they know their they know their way to the World Series. Maybe not winning it, but they know their way there. And I, I don't see the Phillies in their first year in the playoffs knocking a team with that much experience out. Although I would love to love to see that happen. Walker Buehler is a guy with a ton of electricity. Very fun to watch. Started that game in the World Series, which is one of my favorite games to have ever experienced. 18 innings showdown between the Dodgers and the Red Sox. The Dodgers lone win of that series. Kid has a bunch of electric stuff. Very good fastball, off-speed movement. I think, like you said, he'll be a key factor if the Phillies and Dodgers do match up. I think Clayton Kershaw is obviously on the back nine of his career. I continue to see him progressing a little bit downward while still being a very good pitcher, not the same dominant ace as we saw. I'm hoping it ends up a little differently. Might be a little bit of bias. I see the Phillies overthrowing the Dodgers and then ultimately losing to the Cubs. What do you think the key difference is between the Cubs and the Cardinals, which led you to selecting the Cardinals as your NL Central champion? Um, I'd give them the slightest bullpen, I believe. Um, and I believe they have more potential in the rotation and yes they have you Darvish potentially coming back from that massive contract but Nicholas and Flaherty um in the rotation for St. Louis um that can be really scary uh, really scary um I, I can see the Cardinals breaking out sadly like you said I hated them seeing them in 2011 a painful, painful game. Roy Halladay pitched a, per, a great one-run game. We couldn't score a run for him, and on the last play of the game, we saw our, one of our beloved heroes go down. Almost, like you said, he, he was never the same after that. So the Cardinals are one of the teams I really hate most, and I would hate to see them succeed in the way that I predict them to this year. But they're the team I see it happening with. Well, running out of time tonight. A little late congratulations to Got that contract extension, avoided arbitration, four years, $45 million. Got him at a bargain. He says he wants to compete for championships, doesn't care as much about the money. Not very similar to Money Machado, who chased $300 million down 
in a Padres team that won't be competing for a couple more years. Hopefully this adds Bryce Harper to the mix with a little saved up cap space. Congratulations again to friend of the show, Cole Irvin, who will be starting Friday. We'll be wishing him the best of luck and tune in on that. Isaac, any late notes you have before we head off? Uh, just like you said, I want to congratulate Cole Irvin. I actually be heading down to spring training around this time next week. Um, if you, I'll give you guys any updates I have from there. Um, and I hope we have Bryce Harper this time next week. Well, that has been reported and seen that Scott Boris has met with Matt Klintak and um, John Milton four hours. Jim Bowden is pushing that the Phillies are trying to wrap up a deal. Hopefully by this time next week, we will be announcing Bryce Harper to the Philadelphia Phillies. One can only hope. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Take care. Join us next week. And go Phils. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. When I bought her ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning. Catching on these f***s. I'm like Papa on his finish. Double M, yeah, that's my T-Rose. Ain't this catching on Lieutenant. I'm the type can of men casting grind like I'm broke. Fancast is produced by Benson Fector. Fancast is a baseball podcast network production. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram. Koi at Koi's Dimal. That's Z-D-I-M-A-L. And Isaac at Philly's Focus with a P-H. Be sure to give the FanCast account a follow on Instagram as well at FanCastBPM. For more FanCast content, be sure to head over to our website at BaseballPodcastNet.com. And be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all those social media platforms. Instagram at BaseballPodcastNet. Twitter at BaseballPodcast1. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network, and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to FanCast. We'll see you next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.